Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brinkinridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. It was very much an Edmonton debate, but it very much has national implications. The very prolonged and messy debate that led to the creation of Rogers Place Arena, the end of Northlands Coliseum, and then, of course, this ice district that has gone up around Rogers Place. Now, as we know here in Calgary, that's been very relevant as we've gone through our own arena debate and the owners of the Calgary Flames basically saying, hey, we want what the Oilers got in Edmonton. We want that deal. And they did get something close, too. I, I think there, there are some differences, but more or less, I, I think Edmonton kind of set a precedent. Now, whether that's good or bad, I guess, depends on your perspective. There are certainly proponents of, of the Edmonton deal in Calgary who say, yes, we should do that. Proponents who say, look, Edmonton got a new arena. They get a lot of great concerts. They've got this nice new district. Uh, in that sense, then, proponents see it as a, as a success. Uh, critics, though, point to to some other issues around all of this. And I want to get into all of that. There's a fascinating new book out. It's called Power Play, Professional Hockey and the Politics of Urban Development. Joining us to talk more about it is one of the authors uh, of the book. Jay Shear is a professor of uh, kinesiology, uh, sport and recreation at the University of Alberta. Jay, so great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So uh, is Edmonton now a, a world-class city, Jay? <laughs> well, according to some, absolutely. Yes. Uh, it's interesting the the, the kind of rhetoric that uh, gets bandied about in these these conversations. It's not just about the specifics of the project. It's it's kind of like existential questions for these these cities. Yeah, they usually are, particularly for smaller sort of mid-sized urban centers like Edmonton and Calgary and, and where I grew up in Winnipeg. And if you look back at the history of these debates in Edmonton, and, and, and there's a long history, they are always, always tainted with those types of questions about identity. The idea that Edmonton needs to be world-class is something that's been bantied about for decades, you know, not just the past 10 years, so absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I say, I mean, what, what happened in Edmonton, I think, became very relevant in other Canadian markets, certainly here in Calgary. But I guess the, there's the question, Jay, I mean, obviously Edmonton's ahead of things with the arena being built, a lot of the uh, surrounding development uh, being built or underway. Is it a success? How do we how do we answer that question? Yeah, I mean, it depends. A success for who, I guess, is the better question. Mm-hmm. Certainly for, for the Cates Group and the Oilers, it's been enormously successful. Uh, they've had an arena basically built for them by the city of Edmonton on land that they had purchased. Um, they've, I guess, are going to be the beneficiaries for the next 35 years of all of the revenue from the city-owned facility. Any concert that takes place, any hockey game concessions, all the naming rights. So it certainly has expanded their revenue streams in, in fairly dramatic ways, particularly the addition of concert revenue, which they essentially have taken over from Northlands. Now, they're going to pay all the costs to run Rogers Place and, and Nate, and so they've they've got some expenses there. But the dramatic increase in revenue streams certainly 
uh, an important indication of the type of money that can be made. Um, I, I guess, secondly, I'd say the valuation increase of the franchise um, mm-hmm. has been important and will continue to be in the years to come. And I think that's one of the main reasons why these things take place is, is to reset the valuation of the franchise in very significant ways. And the last way, of course, and perhaps this is the most significant, is just the, the real estate development, the amount of money that can be made from having assembled not just the land on which the arena was built that the city had to buy, but also you know significant ama- amounts of land around the developments. And I think you've seen in the past couple of years, Rob, that uh, there's been a sale of one building and part of the other by the Cates Group for just under a billion dollars. So significant money for for the teams who can who can get these types of deals. For the city, it's it's, it's a bit more complicated, uh, and it usually is when it involves public funds. Um, you have obviously significant amounts of development uh, around the arena, and and certainly proponents will 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 say very clearly and strongly that the development is a success for those reasons. The skyline of Edmonton has been transformed in Mm -hmm. in fairly remarkable ways, and and that, of course, is true. Uh, But there's all sorts of other caveats that you have to think about, too, and and I guess the biggest one is the question of how much development would have occurred with or without a new arena. Edmonton's downtown was redeveloping for the past, well, really since the year 2000 in significant ways. So, you know, has the arena been a catalyst for that? No, it's amplified a longer-term pattern in significant ways. It's also raised some complications, too, in terms of the broader ice district. You know, lots of new buildings, a new office tower, and that's bumped up our our downtown office vacancy rates to about, I think, just over 18%. So that's going to have an impact for the city. There's been buildings that have been devalued as some companies have moved to the ice district so that's going to have another impact and and all the condominiums that suggest have created um, some questions about oversupply so it's complicated in many many ways for the city perhaps um, in some ways more than the teams themselves but certainly the downtown and a part of it around ice district has been radically transformed yeah, it has. But and I mean, that's that's the thing. And, and it's been an issue here that we can potentially transform this area where we want to build a new arena, put things there that aren't there now. But what impact does it have on surrounding areas, other parts of the city, if we're deliberately concentrating this development in one area? Did you end up and, and certainly for Calgary's downtown, we're already facing vacancy issues right now. If we're going to concentrate this development in an area just outside of downtown, right? What, what's the impact of that? Yeah, absolutely. And and to be honest, those questions were never really answered during the debate in Edmonton. They, they were certainly asked, and you know, a number of economists who were asking them. Uh, and, and certainly when you consider like the area around Northlands, for example, um, and the Coliseum, which is empty, you know, the area around there has certainly been devalued. So it has consequences. It's not just about adding value to one area. That's not really how these things work, as economists have shown for many, many years. So, yeah, really important questions, and they're ones that are hard to answer, and they're ones that often cities try not to answer. When you look back at the negotiations, and, and you know, the book tells the story of, of how, how things got to, to where they are. I mean, it, it, it felt as though it were, you know, they were tough negotiations, but tough implies that there was a lot of give and take. I mean, ultimately, it, it feels like the Cates Group kind of got everything it wanted. Is, is that a fair way to look at it? I wouldn't say everything. They got a lot of what they wanted, to be honest. Uh, at the end, they made one last push to get a, a host of other concessions, and the city 
you know, finally stood up and, and said decisively no. But I'd say yes, throughout the negotiations, uh, I think the Cates Group gained considerable advantage in a number of areas, and, and not just with the arena, but also with some of the surrounding developments as well. Um, you had the terms of the deal altered. Originally, the Cates Group were going to contribute $100 million up front in cash to the arena. That became annual lease payments over 35 years. Um, and they've contributed very little to the upfront cost of the development itself. Just those types of things sort of happen over the course of the negotiations, and, and for the most part, they were to the Cates Group's advantage. The other big one was a non-compete clause against Northlands. That was made, a demand made throughout the negotiations, and that one was more complicated because the city couldn't enforce that, and certainly Northlands wasn't going to sign it. But what happened is at the end of the negotiations, administration added a little veto clause into the agreement that essentially granted the Cates Group control over any sport or entertainment redevelopment of the Coliseum, right, which is a public mm-hmm. asset, of course. So, yeah, you know, you see all these things take place, and it's certainly easy in hindsight to point the finger and say that shouldn't have happened, but of course they did. Yeah, the, the Northlands Coliseum, it's, it's been a weird kind of footnote to all of this. I mean, the decision apparently here has already been made. The Saddle Dome will be knocked down once we, we build this this new arena. But uh, just the fact that, that in Edmonton, they can't figure out what to do. And, and I mean, the Cates Group basically has a veto anyway. It's just, it's that's that's a weird kind of follow to all of this. I, I mean. Yeah, it, it certainly was one of the questions that was raised throughout the debate. And again, answers weren't weren't provided. It was an obvious question. What's going to happen with the old arena? Mm-hmm. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to use it? How's it going to be developed? They were never answered. They were never really considered. And, of course, there were other pressing matters with the negotiations. But in many ways, it was a huge self-inflicted wound for the city. Um, you know, one of the things when you look at the deal is that it is, it is essentially destroyed Northlands. And what I mean by self-inflicted, of course, is Northlands is really a public asset in many ways. But the city had also loaned Northlands about $50 million a number of years ago. And when Northlands was cut out of the arena deal and, you know, for all intents and purposes destroyed, of course, the city lost the $50 million and had to forgive the loan. Uh, It didn't include the potential cost of demolishing the Coliseum. Uh, in the arena agreement. So that's another 20 to $25 million, at least, I'd suggest, on top of uh, the price tag. So, yeah, it, it's one of the biggest questions. And, of course, the demise of Northlands is is not insignificant in terms of the city's history, one of the main power brokers over the course of Edmonton's history and one of the main, I'd say, supporters of professional hockey. You know, as the title of the book implies, I, I mean, you know, clearly the, the owners of these teams have a lot of influence, have a lot of power uh, in o- over municipal governments. It, it seemed for a while, though, Jay, like it was going to be different in Calgary, that the Calgary City Council's line for a long time had been, hey, you know, we're, we're not handing over money, you guys. If you guys want to build an arena, go ahead. But, you know, we're, we're not going to be bossed around. But things things really changed. And I, I think, you know, just especially the the way things unfolded in Edmonton seemed to have a big impact on, on the debate here. What, what's your read of, of what changed in Calgary and why, why the Flames kind of got their way too? Well, you know, one of the arguments we make in, at the start of the book is, is these negotiations usually always eventually go in the way of the owners. Mm-hmm. Almost always. It, it, it largely is a matter of time. And in Calgary's case, it was fascinating to see the transformation take place, particularly over Mayor Nancy's involvement. 
he was a very, very staunch opponent, as you know, Rob, at the start, and a vocal, vocal opponent. He was very articulate against using public funds to, to build a new arena, particularly when a current one existed and, and wasn't that old. Um, it's my understanding that he was essentially cut out of the negotiations uh, for a variety of reasons, but most significant being that stance and some tensions with the flame ownership group. And certainly without him there, uh, they were able to, I think, get more supportive public officials involved in the negotiations to push it through. And uh, as you know, at the end of the day, the mayor came around and voted in favour of it. So what's happening here, and it's not uncommon, and happened to a degree in Edmonton, uh, is very skillful political leaders and politicians can use both sides of the debate to their advantage. They can appear as an opponent when they need to be, but they can sign off on it when they need to as well. I think that's what happened in Calgary. I'll be curious to see going forward, Jay. I mean, uh, Ottawa's arena was built almost entirely with private money. Vancouver's was built with private money. Ottawa, they're kind of at the point now. There's been talk of a downtown arena in Ottawa. I mean, Vancouver's arena is almost 25 years old. Uh, you think Edmonton's debate has, has really changed the conversation in other cities too? Absolutely. Uh, it has absolutely had an impact. It has set a, an enormous precedent in terms of cost, and, and I guess some would say opportunity as well for cities, depending on how you look at it. And, and there are both sides of the coin, but certainly uh, both Calgary and Ottawa were almost immediately invited by the owners of those teams to mimic the Edmonton deal. Yeah. Um, so it for sure is going to have an impact, and whether whether or not the arena gets built in Ottawa will remain to be seen. But you know, as you just said, Rob, there's this, a long-term precedent of having privately financed facilities in Canada. That seems to have been forgotten. Mm-hmm. And probably has ended. I mean, maybe Toronto and Montreal will still be the exception, or possibly Vancouver, but why, why wouldn't the owners in those cities ask for that too? Oh, they will. Absolutely. Well, the book is called Power Play, Professional Hockey and the Politics of Urban Development. Jay, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Uh, That's Jay Shearer from the University of Alberta, along with David Mills and former uh, Edmonton City Councilor Linda Sloan McCulloch, uh, authors of the book Power Play, Professional Hockey and the Politics of Urban Development. And yeah, like I say, I mean, it was certainly an Edmonton story, an Edmonton debate, but one with national ramifications, very relevant to, to what's going on in Calgary. Our number here, 403-974-8255. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.